Welcome to another segment of Can I Be Candid? My name is Dean LaBeouf, and I'm the managing partner of Brooks, LaBeouf, Bennett, Foster, and Gortney. I've been practicing law for over 36 years, and I created this podcast so I could have a candid conversation with you about current events and the effect they have on your everyday life. In today's episode, we'll be discussing human trafficking, what it is, where it happens, and why you should care. My guest is Robin Hassler Thompson. She is currently the executive director of Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, also known as STAC. Welcome, Robin. Thanks, Dean. It's great to be here. Robin, why don't you start by telling our listeners what STAC is? Sure. Um, STAC is a local nonprofit here in the Big Bend of Florida, and its, its mission is twofold, actually. The first part of our mission deals with building community and public awareness around human trafficking, much like what you're trying to do here today. The second part of our mission is to provide direct services to victims of human trafficking, whether that's sex trafficking or labor trafficking, uh, men, women, undocumented people, people who are U.S. citizens, the young, the old, anyone who's a victim of human trafficking, we help provide services to them. And we do that in two ways. We provide emergency case management, um, regular case management, and then we also work with all the service providers and others around town that we pretty much know are going to someday see a victim of human trafficking. We're there to help them with their help, with their services to those victims. Well, Robin, you know that my family and I and my law firm have been very involved in the fight against human trafficking. And I have to tell you that when I got involved in this issue, I was shocked to see how frequently it occurred. Um, yes. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how common trafficking is both around the world and in this country? Well, it's, it's really hard to give precise estimates of this because, as you might know, trafficking is very hidden. Um, we know, for example, that there are at least 27 million slaves around the world at any given time. That's, and again, both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Um, we know in the United States they used to estimate that between 14,000 um, 500 or that amount approximately of people were trafficked into the U.S. every year. And if that didn't include U.S., say, U.S. runaway kids who are trafficked. Um, we know Florida's third in the nation because we look at the numbers of prosecutions and, um, and the numbers of uh, phone calls into our uh, national human trafficking hotline. So it's extremely prevalent and, and unfortunately is as old as humanity. Um, people have been enslaving other people for as long as we've been on this earth. And and I think that slavery is really a good term because clearly no one would be the victim of this type of abuse voluntarily. And I think it's very interesting to uh, discuss and, and understand the way this happens. I think a lot of us saw the movie Taken, and there's this concept that the only way human trafficking occurs is when someone's abducted, but that's not true, is it? Absolutely not. And in fact, um, it's so exciting that you're doing this podcast, by the way, let me just say that, and that you are involved as you are as an attorney and as a being part of a family of attorneys, because the law has been instrumental in this area. If you think about slavery before the Trafficking Victims Protection Act passed, it really was a matter of force. You had somebody in shackles or you had bars on windows and you had that idea of what taken is all about. Someone is visibly kidnapped um, and, and shuttled and shuttered into, say, a house or some sort of prison-like environment. Um, the law changed when the TVPA passed in 2000 to 
to make it so that force and coercion, so essentially prisons without walls can enslave people. People can be enslaved by the threat of harm coming to, coming to them, and that would constitute the same thing as it, it used to happen with, with shackles. And, and Well, so, the real problem is the Internet, right? Oh, uh, gosh, yeah. We're yeah. seeing that a lot of trafficking is started through social media and, and Internet type of connections where unsuspecting young people are getting involved in chat rooms and other things like that, and then they're lured into situations that they didn't anticipate, and then before they know it, they feel like they've reached the point of no return, and the perpetrators of these horrendous actions threaten them by threatening their family or exposing them, and especially when we're dealing with young people, they don't have the sophistication and the awareness to be able to combat that type of coercion. Exactly. I think the um, the internet, social media, all the things you've described have really made um, it a lot easier for people to be trafficked. Absolutely. Especially kids, um, because that's that's their common language. That's what they're using all the time. And, and actually, that's where we've seen some of the most successful sting operations happening with law enforcement posing as children on social media and then luring the perpetrators uh, and and actually discovering trafficking organizations, uh, what they're doing in a particular community. Well, when you said that, it reminded me of uh, that very popular television show. What was it called? To Catch a Predator? Exactly. It's that same kind of idea. It's yeah. kind of the reverse, yeah. where here we were catching the perverts who were attracted to... Uh, improper activity, sexual activity with children, and law enforcement was using that tool to uh, catch them in their misdeeds. Exactly, uh, exactly. But we're seeing the opposite of that in uh, human trafficking in terms of luring and coercing young people into uh, situations. And I'm also familiar with the fact that a lot of these traffickers are um, taking advantage. It, it's sort of like all predators in the animal kingdom where they look for the weakest members. I know that uh, there's been a lot of predatory activities associated with juvenile detention centers and other facilities where children are taken away for you know, committing crimes or doing something like this. And then as they're seeking to get brought back into society, these traffickers are moving in and, and offering them a place to stay and a place to be safe and really just luring them in to this type of trafficking activity. Yeah, actually, you couldn't have said it more thoroughly. Uh, you know, these traffickers prey on the vulnerable. So when you think about who's vulnerable in our society and who's becoming increasingly vulnerable, those people are the victims the, or the potential victims of trafficking. Some of our national trends we've seen, in fact, have been um, tra uh, traffickers targeting the disabled. So people who have um, developmental or physical disabilities, whether they be in a group home or not, whether they're, they could be in a school setting. That was a big case out in California recently where a soccer coach was preying on students who had disabilities. And um, you also find cases of any kind of economic uh, disability, or I'm sorry, any economic issue. For example, we've heard of cases of nurses in the Philippines being trafficked into the United States. And you might say, how could that be? I mean, they're educated, they speak English, and, and don't fit into a traditional idea of what a trafficking victim would look like from another country. But because they're so economically deprived, and they're trying to feed their families, you know, survive, 
they've said, oh, okay, I can say yes to this very you know, attractive looking job. But when they get here, that's when they realize that's not what they signed up for. Um, and that's why fraud is another element, one of the elements that can be proven to show trafficking. I know one of the most reprehensible examples I've heard of recently was a couple that were, they were both addicted to uh, drugs and they were actually trafficking their daughter. Um, and I was shocked and was even more shocked to learn from law enforcement that was involved in apprehending and prosecuting those parents that it wasn't that uncommon. Exactly. That's another trend we're seeing, Dean, is the idea of um, parents, and it's, it's quite common for parents and family members to traffic their other family members. Um, and the trend that we're seeing, though, is around the opioid crisis. That's why when we're seeing uh, people, say, who might be involved in this issue who are perhaps at a local drug treatment facility or you have law enforcement working the issue, then you have to say, please pay attention to whether or not there's also trafficking going on. You know, one of the other things that bothered me, Robin, when I got involved in this was the fact that some individuals were so ignorant about this process and the coercion and influences that there were actually people who would respond to me and say, well, this is a choice. Prostitution's a choice. They're doing this of their own free will. And it's so hard. I think we're finally getting the message out that it's a combination of a lot of factors, but I usually respond by saying, I'm not aware of any healthy, happy little boy or little girl who says, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute. I want to, you know, have these horrible things happen to me. And sometimes that's effective in, in conveying the message, but it the message really needs to get out that it, it occurs in the entire country. We've got cases of human trafficking in all 50 states of the United States. And as you mentioned, uh, Florida is ranked third in the country as a state where it's most prevalent. I guess California's first and Texas is second. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I, you know, that issue of, of somebody making a choice or the other one I've heard is people say, oh, well, you know, these folks are from another country. They're here. Oh, they're being treated better than they would back in their home country. They're missing the point that these uh, these workers or these these, um, you know, house cleaners or these painters or these um, children are actually being forced to do this. This is against their will and that um, that we have to do everything as a society to to make that point be more prevalent. Well, thank you, Robin. I'm getting the signal that I need to take a break. But when we get back, I'd like to talk to you about uh, hotels, motels, restaurants and bars and the role they play in human trafficking and what we're doing to try and hold them accountable. Welcome back to Can I Be Candid? I'm here with my friend Robin Hassler-Thompson, and we've been talking about human trafficking, where it occurs, how it occurs, and why it's important. Robin, I'd like to now 
talk about where human trafficking occurs. Most of this requires a venue and a location. And from my investigation and involvement in this, it seems like it's a big problem in hotels, motels, restaurants, and bars. Is that true? Absolutely. I think that that happens a lot. In fact, if we could talk about the committee hearing we heard last week, should we go into that? Sure. Okay. You know, there was a very, very good bill filed in the Florida legislature that would uh, create civil liability um, for workplaces like hotels if they had knowledge or, or were willfully blind about trafficking going on in their uh, facilities. And uh, powerful testimony came out um, really from uh, women now, then children who were trafficked into hotels. They spoke specifically about being forced to have sex with numerous men every night, um, that they would sometimes be um, in the hallways, uh, battered um, and broken, walking around trying to find anything, even a a glass of water sometimes, and hotel staff would ignore them. Um, Their stories of of really being victimized in front of so many people in these facilities, for example, um, that knew that trafficking was going on. They knew something was going on. Um, That is one way it happens. And that came out loud and clear at at that uh, committee hearing. The other times that we know it's going on is when we don't see it. Unfortunately, one of the national campaigns is called Look Beneath the Surface, because when you look at the surface of a restaurant or a field or a construction site, you don't know that someone is being forced to do the work that they're doing. Um, you clearly do in sex trafficking cases, I think, but but not in these other instances. You know, we, we had the case here in Palatka, Florida, where um, men were actually being picked up in vans. African-American men were targeted, homeless African-American men were targeted around the state, picked up from homeless shelters, taken to this farm in Palatka, Florida, um, promised drugs, alcohol, um, and a job if they would want to be picking cabbages and other vegetables in Palatka. In that case, um, that case was discovered because that farm, the Evans family farm, was suspected of dumping human waste into the St. John's River. And when the EPA went in, they looked around, they said, what's going on here? This looks like a slave camp. And so they called the FBI. The FBI went in and, and indeed found um, evidence. They found books where they were paying these. These are African-American U.S. citizen men, by the way. Their vulnerability was they were substance abuse dependent. That's how they were preyed on and targeted. Um, anyway, they actually found evidence of them being paid with drugs and alcohol um, every Friday night and not paid the money that they were promised either and living in squalid conditions. And so those Evans family farmers, supposedly upstanding farmers and, and community members, had this going on behind their um, fenced properties. Wow. the I know one of the other ways, a uh, story I heard last week about uh, hotels in terms of the sex trafficking, that the hotel knew about it because they were providing new linens to the room every hour uh, as new customers were coming in and out of the room. And uh, it, it, it just was shocking that these businesses were so interested in profit over the human rights of the individuals who are being abused and exploited in these situations. And several of the cases we heard of involved children where these activities are starting at five, six, seven years old. I know. I know. It's so heartbreaking. And that 
that that would happen in a hotel is disgusting, that people would know that. Then you'd have to know what are they doing? I mean, what are they doing, if anything, to prevent it? And, and I will say that uh, what we're doing right now, what happened in that committee hearing, um, what people all over the country are doing is raising the awareness of this issue. So even if something weren't as blatant as that, that we have something out there, we have the National Human Trafficking Hotline number, which can I give it? Sure. 888 um, I'll say it again because, you know, it's really important for people to, even if they suspect something is going on, like the changing of the linens, that's obvious. But you could have something else. You could have, you could have someone saying, oh, something doesn't look quite right here. I don't know what it is. But why is that younger woman or that younger, you know, the teenage teenage looking person coming in and out of this hotel every other day. And, um, who are these men going upstairs? I think something is going on. I want to figure it out. They can call that hotline. They certainly can call law enforcement. They can figure out that, um, you know, there's a way to get help to that victim and really shining the light on these cases. That's a way to do something. That's a way to make a difference. And Robin, I know we're not there yet. We haven't solved the problem, but it seems to me that, the tide is flowing in the right direction. We are getting an increased level of awareness. Um, we're getting more reporting. Uh, it seems like we're making progress. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Um, I think that we've got a long way to go. I think that the victims, we need to, we need to think about every single way that any of us can work to help a survivor of trafficking. Um, you know, in the committee hearing, they were asking me about what I thought about attorneys jumping in and, and being able to be part of this bill. And to be honest with you, I have wanted civil lawyers to be more involved for the longest time. Um, I know I speak <laughs> kind of the same way your daughter does about this because, you know, it is vital that every single person around our, um, whether it's in the faith community um, you know, so you've got the faith community, you've got uh, civil attorneys, you've got law enforcement, you've got judges, you've got all these justice system people, you have people in the healthcare sector, public health, emergency room doctors, other healthcare providers, mental health providers, you have businesses. Every single one of these sectors of our society needs to be aware of what human trafficking is, what to do if they suspect it who to call if they think it's going on, and how they can help victims. Um, and that's how we hold perpetrators accountable. And the great thing I've witnessed is we are actually seeing that happen. I know in Tallahassee, Florida, just a few weeks ago, the faith community really came together. Uh, the leader of our local uh, synagogue, I think, orchestrated this meeting of Christians and non-Christians and all other denominations to try and raise awareness and to provide support for these victims. What I'd like to do next is to talk about what Florida's doing and what's happening in the Florida legislature in terms of imposing civil liability on this, and we'll address that right when we come back from our break. Welcome back to Can I Be Candid? I'm here with Robin Hassler-Thompson, and we've been talking about the fight against human trafficking. And Robin, I'd like to now talk about the 
landmark bill in front of the Florida legislature to impose civil liability on business establishments who turn a blind eye towards human trafficking at their businesses. Uh, This bill has come up before in Florida, and as a result of powerful lobbyists and powerful businesses, it hasn't been able to get its way through the committees and to a vote on the floor. It looks like that may be different this year. I certainly hope so. I, I, I can't imagine, really, if you think about what makes most sense, I can't imagine a business would want to not be sure that trafficking was, was not happening. In other words, how could we make sure that the hotel that I'm staying at has not been used as a place where a child is sex trafficked. I think one of the ways you make sure of that is you say, you know, you're going to have civil liability. You can be sued for this and you can be held accountable in a civil court. Um, We know that there's criminal liability in a lot of these cases, but we also know our justice system is really taxed on the criminal side, different standards of proof and the rest of it. But I think this is really important because trafficking is about greed. It's about money. It's about one person exploiting another person for money. And and the victims should be compensated. The victim should receive relief for the harms that they've suffered. Well, it's very well recognized in our civil justice system that businesses are to be held accountable for the negligent actions of their employees. We use the example of drivers. Uh, If one of your employees is driving on the job and they're intoxicated, or even if they're not intoxicated, if they're negligent and they're driving on the job, it's part of their job, the company is responsible for the damage that they cause. And the reason for that is to encourage the businesses to engage in safe business practices, to provide safe transportation, to provide appropriate training for their drivers, to not employ drivers who have horrible driving records or drinking records. Uh, It's a matter of accountability and responsibility so that the innocent members of society are not victimized by the actions of these employees because companies put profits over people. And this same concept is being employed in this proposed legislation before the Florida legislature. And we've got uh, a hero on the Senate side, Lauren Book. I know that Senator Book has been very, very passionate about this project and a desire to do something to eradicate uh, human trafficking in Florida and take Florida off of the third place winner uh, stand in the United States as being the state with the third most highest incidence of human trafficking. And on the House side, we have uh, Representative uh, Chairman Ross Spano, who is spearheading the efforts over there to get this uh, legislation to pass. The bill, I guess, is passed, uh, it passed a major committee hearing uh, in the Senate last Monday, and uh, we're coming up on another hearing, I think, this week, and I think it's also set for hearing in the House. And once that all occurs, it'll go to the floor for a vote. One can only hope. Um, I think it makes so much sense, you know, that bill passed out of committee unanimously. How could anybody be in favor of supporting traffickers, which is really what this is, and and the existence of trafficking? If you're not uh, saying that there is responsibility of every single one of us, and if you're not doing everything you can to get help and support to victims, 
then you're kind of on the wrong side of this. So, um, yeah, thank goodness we've got some good leadership in the House and Senate, and it's moving. Well, I was in a meeting last week, and I was very involved in helping draft the bill. And even with the proposed legislation, it will not impose the same level of liability on these businesses that exists in some other areas. But it's still a move in the right direction. Uh, it's going to hold hotels, motels, restaurants, and bars accountable if they're willfully blind, if they pretend like it's not going on, but a reasonable person would say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. We shouldn't be changing the linens every hour, Robin. Uh, there's something going on in this yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, when you think about these cases, when traffickers are prosecuted, you get somebody put into prison, which is a which is an important step of the justice system. Sometimes you get restitution ordered. Sometimes you get that collected. But really for a full cup of justice, essentially, to go to victims, you need to compensate them for the harms that they've suffered. They need to be able to go forward, not just to have the counseling and other support, but to have back wages, to have the other things that um, that they're due. And really, the civil justice system is the place for that to happen. Well, you know, another great part about the bill is it creates a trust fund so that in every case that's successfully prosecuted where a defendant is found to have been culpable and allowing human trafficking on their property, there's a $50,000 fine that goes into a trust fund to help other victims receive counseling and assistance from being victims where maybe they didn't have a civil justice claim. And there's a $50,000 award to law enforcement that helps detect and apprehend these culpable businesses for allowing human trafficking on their property. And then on top of that, for those businesses that really aren't doing anything and are just really flagrantly disregarding the rights of victims, there's the possibility of punitive damages if these businesses don't impose some training and some oversight for their employees to properly detect and report potential human trafficking uh, on their property. So I think Florida's really headed in the right direction with a real passion to get off that top three list of states where human trafficking is so prevalent. You know, the other thing I think, you know, this has been an issue in other states. There are other states that are doing this. So it's, you know, it's not like um, Florida is leading the way on this, although I think it's an important leadership step to take. Um, but we just need to get on board and do the right thing with this. Well, I hope that uh, our listeners will call their legislators and let the legislators know that they support this bill uh, to fight human trafficking and to hold businesses accountable for human trafficking. And hopefully that'll help us get off that top three list. And Robin, would you please give our listeners the number for Stack as well? Sure. Our number here in the Tallahassee area is 850 597 2080. And our website is surviveandthriveadvocacy.org. Please go on it. You can see a lot of good information about what's going on, not just in this area, but around the country. We try to put articles and other information up there that really is sort of cutting edge so people can be aware of what's happening and really what, what they should do. The other, you know, the other thing that I'm thinking about, Dean, is um, this is something that you're doing and that 
we're doing in the Florida legislature, we hope. Um, but we have to remember that everybody in the community has a role to play on this. You know, whether it is in your faith community having some sort of program or, or whether it's uh, trying to uh, put awareness stickers up um, around town or whether it is having a lunch and learn at your business um, you know, we all have something we can do. I, I know that teachers now are kind of looking at what can I do as a teacher? Well, guess what? There's a great curriculum out there for, for, um, kids in middle schools and high schools, school bus drivers are getting trained on how to recommend, you know, recognize, uh, trafficking and children who might be trafficked and issues. So we're really looking at everybody who, who probably has something they can do, you know, and something that'll help the victims. I couldn't agree with you more, Robin. Thank you so much for being here with us, and uh, thank you for what you do in uh, our community and to help those people who really need assistance. Thank you, Dean. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Can I Be Candid? If you liked our show, please watch for more episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you have a minute, give us a like or share on SoundCloud and a review on iTunes. I hope you can join us again next week for another episode of Can I Be Candid?